0: All right, John Dickinson and Matt Steinmetz, our Warriors Weekly
1: podcast, uh, which is really a beyond weekly podcast at this point because it's the Western Conference semifinals. It's the Warriors and the Grizzlies, and Steiny, we've got a series, a competitive series now at one-one. We've got a physical series. We've got uh, a borderline dirty, or maybe even absolutely dirty. Uh, playoff series. It it feels like almost a, a mid 90s kind of a first two games of this one between the, the Warriors and the Grizzlies. Uh, so it's one one coming back to the Bay. I was in Memphis for the first two games. And I think we got to start with with Dylan Brooks flat out uh, early on with the flagrant two against Gary Payton, the second uh, clubbed in the head. Payton goes to the floor. Hits his elbow, winds up being a fracture. We don't know the extent of how long Peyton's going to be out, but I think it's safe to assume he he's going to be out for, for a while. And uh, just let's just get right into that play right there. Dirty, intentional. Should Dylan Brooks be suspended for another game now with the likelihood that Gary Payton's going to be out for a while?
2: Uh, I don't know if it was intentional or not. I don't think anybody knows. Was it dirty? Probably. Everybody seems to come down on the side that it was dirty. And as far as, you know, flagrant two, I just have a feeling he's going to get suspended for game three. I don't know about any more than that, but I feel like uh, kind of with this climate that they're not going to want this series to escalate at all. So I think they may suspend Dylan Brooks for for a game. Uh, But I'll tell you what, the everything just got ramped up in a hurry. Um, and that's what I think we thought this series was going to be. Not that there were going to be a lot of flagrant fouls, but I think we all knew it was going to get chippy. And I think we all knew JD, cause you and I have been talking about this, uh, this series is going to go a long way to determine, uh, how much gas either of these teams has left for the next series, because it looks like this series, regardless of who the winner is, it's going to take a toll on them.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to take a toll on whoever wins it. I mean, I think just in the short term, having three days between game two and game three is probably something that both teams, especially the Warriors as the older team in, in this series, I, I think they like that and even need that at this point to just get home, regroup for a couple of days, and then figure out how they're going to have to proceed moving forward. Potentially, with, without Gary Payton II, who figured to play a huge role in this series. I mean, he was in the starting lineup for crying out loud in the first two games, and he was going to get a lot of the a lot of the load against John ja Morant. And as the game plays out last night, not having Gary Payton II it really mattered because John Morant got going in a way that he didn't get going in game one and, and took the game over in the big moments down the stretch. And, and that propelled the Grizzlies to the victory.
2: Warriors didn't have anybody who could keep him in front. They just didn't have anybody that could keep John Morant uh, or, you know, stay in front of John Morant. And the one thing we were talking about in this series, which I I thought was going to be a key was Memphis's, athleticism on the wings and then if they could handle John Moran and I thought in game one I mean Moran at 34 but I think the Warriors take that every day of the week if it's going to be a 14 for 31 four for 11 and he only gets to the line three times Uh, but last night they just they didn't have any way to to keep him in front he was making that little floater and you know, I, I'm a little bit surprised, to tell you the truth, because, you know, one of the things that we've seen with the Warriors during their successful run is it, it's really hard for one guy to beat him. And I kind of go back to the Harden years um, and I kind of feel like that's what happened last night. John Morant, he beat him and I don't think he can continue. I don't think they're going to allow him to continue to do that. So the question now becomes, will John ja Morant get enough help after this game, too? Because I, the Warriors are too good defensively, even if Peyton's not there, to to not make an adjustment, try to get the ball out of his hands. I mean, maybe you got to try to play him like teams try to play Steph Curry and just get the ball out of his hands and and see what the other four guys can do.
1: Yeah, I want to go back, and 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 that's something that's going to be a key to this this series throughout. Is how do the Warriors now potentially without Gary Payton try to defend John Morant? And and I think your point is excellent as far as do the Grizzlies have enough in other areas? Because in in long stretches of 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 game one and two, really the theme I think of game one and two has been. The Warriors hanging around, hanging around, not shooting the three ball all that well. I mean, last night, my goodness, seven for 38 from three. I mean, that's as big a story as what Morant did, as what happened with Gary Payton, as Draymond flipping off the fans. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on here uh, in this series. But if the Warriors make, a, I mean, what, two more threes, if they're nine for 38 instead of seven for 38, we're talking about the Warriors having this series on lock. 2-0 2-0 going home even with everything else that that's been going on uh so I, I think the Grizzlies at times to your point about Morant haven't had enough offensively even though they've done some other things to where I feel like they could have in some ways put the Warriors away in both games or or extended to a lead that maybe the Warriors couldn't overcome in both games but they just haven't been able to do it a big part of that is the others offensively Stiney a, a big part of that is the fact that I think the way that the Grizzlies are defending the Warriors, they're taking away the three. They're really trying to make life difficult, but the Warriors have been able to hit them in ways that they don't usually hit teams on the interior, get into the basket themselves, transition. I, I think there's been a lot of, a lot of leaky coverages for the Grizzlies you know, at the rim. I mean, the Warriors had 60 paint points last night, which is usually what Memphis does. Right. And Memphis – hit 14 threes to the Warriors seven, which is usually what the Warriors do.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think that's the way the Grizzlies want to do it. I mean, probably not to that extreme and they don't want to give up as many easy baskets, but clearly their, their strategy is to not let the Warriors make 15 threes in a game or try not to let them make 15 threes in a game. You know, this is the one team JD where last night I was watching and I can't remember the sequence, maybe it was early in the fourth where it felt like both teams were just running up and down as fast as they could about four straight possessions and nobody got anything done. Nobody scored. And that's the first time that I thought, I don't think this is the way the warriors want to play. Like they love to get up and down, but they don't want to get up and down this way because I think, I think Memphis in transition on their defense, they recover so well that it kind of gives the illusion of a fast break, but they, they got guys flying all over the place. And and what the Warriors have again last night? 18 turnovers, so something like that. Yep. Um, so there's no doubt the quickness and the length is is presenting a problem for the Warriors. I don't know. What do you think about you know they I, I guess what I'm saying is if they can get out on clean fast breaks, then the Warriors have a big advantage. But when it just kind of goes up and down. I think Memphis is more than happy to play that way.
1: No, I, I think they have to play that way to be able to score enough. Yeah. Because when it's gotten into the half court, the Warriors have been the better team in the half court, which right. again is is something that's unusual for for Warrior games and Warrior series. Typically, the Warriors want to get out and and hit the three ball in transition. And I think the Warriors have done a nice job. Oddly enough, off of made baskets, it seems like the Grizzlies in this series have fallen asleep off of their own made baskets, and and the Warriors have been able to come back quick and attack and, and answer, which I think is a big part of why there hasn't been a lot of separation in these, in these games uh, when there had the potential to be. Uh, so I, I'm with you on the Grizzlies wanting it to be that way. I think the Warriors want to not slow it down, but just, and you heard Steve Kerr talk about this, take better shots. I think I think the frenetic pace has, has baited the Warriors into right. trying to make the home run play a little bit, which leads to turnovers, which leads to Grizzlies opportunities on the other end, and also try to take the quick good shot, the quick open three. And I think when those aren't going, the Warriors are extremely vulnerable. Now, when those are going, they're almost unbeatable, and maybe there will be a game or two of the next or five if this series goes the distance where the Warriors are hot from three. That game hasn't happened yet, but I don't think the Warriors can live on. They're going to get hot from three, maybe in a game or two, but I don't think it's going to be enough to win three more games on that alone.
2: I think it's hard for them. It's going to be hard for them to string together consecutive, really good shooting nights from three-point range, just because uh, Memphis seems to really be focusing on that. And I think they have the personnel that can, that can bother the Warriors a little bit in, in terms of that part of their game. Um, you know, the other thing that happens when, when you get fatigued or when you get a little older and I'm not, I, I don't know if that necessarily fits here or not JD, but you know, late in the game, it's, it's just so much easier to try to shoot a three than try to do the hard work of getting to the basket. And I wonder if, That was part of the the story last night, whether, you know, the Warriors were, you know, man, Clay played 41 minutes, J.D. You know, I put something on Twitter about that. I mean, that's that's incredible. You know, he he led the Warriors in minutes last night after not playing for for about 30 months. And, you know, consequently, he didn't make a lot of threes, but neither he nor Steph, I really felt forced the action with penetration. Sometimes penetration takes a lot of work and maybe. Uh, maybe that was a factor in terms of them maybe settling for three pointers.
1: Yeah, and and look, Jordan Poole's been the one guy that consistently has been able to attack it. But you you look, I mean, I think even Wiggins at times has has been able to attack it a little bit. But I I think the Warriors are a little caught in between because there are some good looks from three. There they are shots that when the Warriors are are hot from beat from deep, they make. And and you're right. It makes the game a whole a whole heck of a lot easier. But yeah, you just look at last night. I mean, the three point shot is is the entire story with Clay two for twelve. And you know, I wonder what's going on with Clay physically a little bit now uh, because there was the the knee that was deemed to be nothing by Steve Kerr and Clay Thompson yesterday at at shoot around here in Memphis. And so, uh, but yet he goes out and he plays you know, the word was, he was good to go. Well, he played like somebody that maybe wasn't good to go, but then he played 41 minutes. So, right. I mean, they needed him, I think to play more because of the Peyton injury. And that's something that, that I think has the potential to take a toll. I want to go back to,
2: well, real quick, let me just throw another thing about the three point shot that, that,
1: you know, we, we hear this a lot, J.D. is man. They
2: missed a lot of open ones and they did miss some good looks. But those good looks are harder in a close game than when you're up seven and you know you knock down a three and now it's up to ten. So even even open threes have far more consequence than they do in the regular season or even when the Warriors are playing with the lead. The, the, they're just – the threes can be different depending on where you are in the game. And even though some – you know, I thought their shot selection was mediocre – but then they did have a couple that you'd figure they'd knock down. But those get tougher when you have to make them and you're not getting a
1: lot of good looks. No, I, I think...
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and
1: the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. A little bit, I think, and, and get uh, some some more efficient looks that way. I want to go back to the Dylan Brooks play uh, okay. at at the beginning because I, I think part of the conversation about intent is a lot of the talking that the Grizzlies did in between Game One and Game Two about how they needed to be more physical. This was a huge storyline right. Monday and Tuesday leading up to it. I mean, Steve Kerr, I thought even was trying to. Almost alert the officials in a in a low key way with the way that he spoke about how he talked to the team, saying it was going to be the most physical game they played all season. And I, I felt in in listening to Steve Kerr who who blasted Brooks post game, and and obviously he's taken up for his guy, and he knows this really it hurts Gary Payton's career, it hurts the Warriors in this series more immediately. But I think that's where you start to get into. The Grizzlies pretty much talked about not wanting to get punked again, and it just wouldn't happen again. Is there anything there for you when you see, and I know you've covered a lot of these series where one team just kind of puts it out there, hey, we're we're coming at you, and then somebody comes at you in the first couple of minutes of the game, and it winds up leading to what we saw last night?
2: Well, I think the part about Kerr setting the table for a physical game is something that every coach does in the postseason, And I think we've seen just, we've already seen multiple coaches do it, whether it's Taylor Jenkins, uh, whether it's Finch or whether it's even Monty Williams uh, in, in Phoenix that haven't been said. When when you talk about intent, the question is, did Dylan Brooks try to hurt Gary Payton the second? And my answer would be no, he didn't try to hurt him, but clearly he didn't care if he put him on the deck. Correct. He 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 sold out trying to trying to take a hard foul. And it ended up hurting Gary Payton the second. But I don't think he went up there saying I'm gonna hurt Gary Payton the second. But you know, Steve Kerr's been around the league for 30, 40 years. So if he said a code was broken, I'm I'm kind of gonna take his word for it. You know, to me, it's just so hard. These guys are moving so fast, and you know I'm not. I'm certainly not going to come out today and say that wasn't a dirty play at all. Um, But I don't think he wanted to hurt Gary Payton. The second he just didn't care what happened. He was not going to allow the basket. So if that's just another way to sugarcoat, well, you know he had bad intentions. Fair enough, but I don't think you know I don't. I just don't think he wanted to put Gary Payton, the second out for the rest of the series.
1: No, no doubt. I I don't think there's any any doubt about that. I, I also that the talk here in Memphis and look, yeah. Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks is basically the is basically the Grizzlies Draymond Green. Right. Different, different skill set of player. But he runs hot. He gets technicals. He mixes it up with the officials. He's the most player most likely to be involved in the play like last night with right in the second but the conversation here in Memphis and I was going back and forth with with some Grizzlies people was well you know Draymond like it's no different than what Draymond did uh to to Brandon Clark in in game one and it's just that the outcome of it is different because Peyton got hurt and and maybe Clark didn't how do you how do you parse through that because I think that's going to be a back and forth over the next couple of days. In addition to the question about should Clark get suspended? And I'm more inclined just to put it on the table. I'm more inclined to think he is going to get suspended for, for game three, knowing that Peyton is probably going to be out for the, for the duration.
2: Yeah. I mean, maybe this, maybe this isn't right, but the first thing I thought of uh, after that play was when Zaza Pachulia came under Kawhi Leonard in 2017, the game one Western conference finals. And Kawhi was already a little bit labored, but when he came down on Zaza's foot, it was over for him. It was over for the series. And I mean, over for his
1: San Antonio career, essentially.
2: Exactly. And, and, you know, I don't want to, but, you know, so that's a Western conference finals. They were up 25. The Spurs were up 25 points when that happened. So, you know, that's a play. And are people going to maintain that that play was not dirty, but. Brandon uh I'm sorry but Dylan Brooks's was you know I don't know I, I I call them both careless plays both reckless plays but you know sometimes I mean th- th- this happens it and you know I remember a play and I, I don't want to get into how many but remember the play a couple years back when when Draymond took a an extremely hard foul on Valanciunas and broke his hand and he, he missed six or eight weeks so um, I think you're getting into a real dangerous area if you start thinking Dylan Brooks was trying to hurt Gary Payton the second because I really don't think any pro player wants to hurt another pro player.
1: All right. So where do the Warriors go from here? Our Warriors weekly podcast special. Post-Game 2 edition, John Dickinson and Matt Steinmetz, as I'm still in Memphis, going to be headed back to the Bay a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, Steiny in in San Francisco getting ready for uh, his show with Guru coming up uh, in about 90 minutes or so. Uh, Where do the Warriors go from here, assuming they're not going to have Peyton? He had been starting, so the natural progression there would be, all right, Jordan Poole, who started the second half of both games, Jordan Poole goes back into the starting lineup and the Warriors play the Curry, Poole, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond lineup from the start. One of the surprises of this series, among the many, the Warriors have held their own rebounding the basketball, even playing smaller and and have hit the the Grizzlies, how the Grizzlies usually hit other teams and how the Grizzlies, I think, thought they were going to hit the Warriors in these first couple of games.
2: Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I go back, I just think, you know, if the Warriors are going to take 40 threes a game and, and the Grizzlies are going to take a bunch of threes, you know, the height differential is going to be mitigated just because those rebounds are going to be long. I mean, ha, you know, there've been, there have been a few sequences in the series already where a team's missed three straight three-pointers and what happens? They all rebound long and the offense gets them. So yeah. it just happens more when teams are shooting three-pointers. The, the thing that, believe it or not, that I, that raised my eyebrows last night was when Steve Kerr mentioned Andre Iguadala, that Iguadala is going to get looked at today. And I've just kind of assumed he's done. Um, it's probably not fair, but I just, I just feel like a neck injury. How the heck he going to come back? But he talked about Iguadala almost like he could take some shots at J- John Morant defensively. And I, I wonder, I mean, I know Iguadala was a great defender in his day, but what do you, I mean, do you think he can keep John ja Morant in front of him? Because I think that's the challenge Wiggins has too. It's not their length is only one of the nice things, they, but Morant's quickness is on another level.
1: I don't see it personally especially right. if this is an Igadala that's less than 100% and look the neck affects everything like if right. you got a neck issue and I mean that's and so maybe it it is a situation where all right let's see if you know, the time is now if Igadala can play through it and maybe Igadala thinks he can play through it well let's find out in game 3 if he can play through it because if he can't play through it then we got to figure out what the heck we're going to do for the remaining games of this series if he can't play through it so it's almost in in a way, Saturday's game three, and you're right, Steve Kerr sounded it sounded like he was basically telling everybody is gonna play to me. Uh, and and maybe some of that was to try and you know keep his team up in in, in the aftermath of losing Peyton, like, hey, we've got an option, like all isn't lost. Igadala's gonna come back and, and help. So some of that maybe was psychology, but I also think you know, game three. Is really the last game now, and and look, the Warriors could have been up two nothing if John Morant hits the layup. The Warriors could have been down two nothing. It ends up one one, and that's probably where it should be after yeah. the two games uh, with neither team up two nothing. I, I think we can fairly say that and objectively say that, uh, especially with the seven to thirty eight from three. But when you look at it, Steiny, I mean. Game three is the last game that either team can really play with in a series. Once you get to Game four, every game from that point has extreme ramifications.
2: Right, right, no doubt, no doubt about it. And I, you know, I'm looking at the Warriors roster, and I know there's some players that we probably thought weren't going to play much, but I, you know, I, assuming Iguodala is is not himself, you know, I'm looking at their bench and maybe the two best players, most equipped to. To defend Ja are either Damian Lee or um, or uh, Toscano Anderson, believe it or not. Um, but again, it's like you know Morant's like Curry. You're not going to shut him down. You got to turn him into a volume shooter. Um, so I I I thought that was an issue before the series. Who could match up with Ja Morant? And after two games, I think it's the single biggest issue. How can the Warriors slow down John ja Morant? Because he, he's, I mean, he's going to, he, he, even when he's not playing well, he's probably going to get in the high 20s by accident. So how do you make him into an 11 for 26? That's what they got to try with, with three for eight from three-point range. Keep him off the line. That's a recipe to win.
1: So if Wiggins is going to guard Durant, do you, do you maybe see Draymond on Durant on, on Morant a little bit? I, I mean, I, I think I, I don't think he can cover him. I mean, that's and well, and I don't think he can cover him without getting in foul trouble. Right. I'll, I'll say that like, well, he, well, the
2: other, the other thing that happened too a little bit last night was, you know, Morant, and I know it's only one more, but you know, Morant was five for 12 from three point range and the makes were spread out more in yeah. game one. He made two early and he was done. You know, he made two more the rest of the game. And I thought he had. I thought he was really good at knowing when he was getting that three, and it was wide open. That that one at the top of the circle. Like there were yeah. times when I thought he assessed correctly, and he was like, "There's just nowhere to go." But if I back up, I have an open three, and and he he made enough last night.
1: I thought no, he did. He made, and it was yeah. The difference between four for twelve and five for twelve. Uh, but you're right. It was a it. It felt like they were better shots, and, and, and fewer forces. I, I think right. as well. And so you look at at that standpoint, and then the other difference was the twelve free throws. I mean, that was the exactly. I mean, that, That's how he went from thirty four to. He had two free throws in the first one. That's how he goes from thirty four to forty seven. You know, plus the the, the one three pointer there. So yeah, I think it's interesting. If Wiggins is on Morant, then how does that change now? the way the Warriors defend others, and does that lead to maybe some more open looks for others or more of an opportunity for the interior? Because I I thought the other issue in game two was, it was the fact that, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, he he was in foul trouble, and I think the Warriors can get him in foul trouble, but does it create a situation where if Wiggins has got to guard Morant, do the Warriors have enough now size on the back end to prevent Jaron Jackson from being a factor in the paint. He really wasn't last night, the three for 14, but I think that's another potential issue is the domino effect of now you don't have Peyton to, to really set the tone against Morant, and do you get a little leaky in other spots?
2: You know, I, I think Jaron Jackson jr. Is a low priority for the warriors. Um, Obviously, in game one, he made threes, and that impacted the game. I don't think last night he was much of a factor, but the, the issue I think Memphis is going to have as the series moves on is who's their second scorer. I mean, you look, you know, last night it was Zaire Williams. who
1: Yeah, incredibly, and hit big threes. I mean, his he really threes did. were the game. In a lot and of he, ways. he played pretty
2: well against the Warriors. I want to say in the regular season too. And defensively,
1: but, he's another long body. Exactly, they thrown at Curry a little bit, and they yeah. can throw it a different. And game. he didn't play
2: game one, right? So that he's he is an extra lengthy body, and and maybe he got so many minutes because Brooks didn't play. But who's going to be, you know, if Morant's going to go thirteen for thirty, is there going to be somebody who can step up and get him twenty two? B- Bane is is that guy sometimes he, he looks like, you know, his back may be getting to him. Dylan Brooks, obviously he's only played one game after the ejection. Um, He, he didn't make any shots. So they, they're they're still going to, they're they're still going to need another, another player to emerge because Morant. I don't think you can't beat the Warriors this way over a series.
1: Yeah. Let's, let's close it out this way because I, I think, you know, 1-1, one, one, and, and we talked about, hey, both teams could be up 2 nothing, but 1-1 one, one is, is where it sits. I would think that the Warriors would feel really good about the 1-1 if it didn't already feel like this series has taken a toll on them physically. There was a point mid-fourth quarter, I think you touched on it earlier where there were, you know, Multiple possessions consecutively that that were misses, and the game just kind of played on. I, I thought the Warriors were exhausted at, at the too. end of the game, I, and I think that I think that played a role as to why a couple of shots maybe rimmed out here or there, or Morant was able to get just another just another half inch on a on a on a shot here or there. I thought the Warriors were exhausted. Ordinarily, I'd say one one coming home. Warriors are in great shape. I think if they were healthier I'd feel like hey the Warriors have got action here because they haven't played as well offensively in terms of shooting the three ball as they normally would that's going to come around your point on the Grizzlies not having maybe as many options I'd feel like the Warriors are 1-1 and in control a little bit the patent injury and the physical toll that this series right. has taken the Grizzlies are younger they're more athletic they're willing to bang I, I feel more uneasy from the Warriors' point of view now than, than I think I would if they were a little bit more whole going into this thing. I think the Warriors in the three days off helps, but I, I think they're a little vulnerable now toward maybe the Grizzlies getting on a little bit more of a role in one of or or maybe both of the games in San Francisco.
2: Can the Grizzlies stay kind of as nasty as they were in Memphis in uh, San Francisco I mean that's really what they're going to have to have to do. And sometimes the crowd can can get a team to to not play um that way like they did in Memphis. But I I do think that that like Memphis is they're young and they're not they're not the smartest team in the NBA, but they definitely have a lot of willpower and I I don't think they're going to go away. I I think they feel like Like they kind of play the same way every game. You know, we're going to try to get into people defensively out in the perimeter. We're going to try to, you know, we got a point guard who can take over a game and we got three point shooters who can make some shots. I think they feel like they can, they can, they can, I feel like they think if they can stop the Warriors three point attack, maybe not seven for 38, but, you know, keeping it at a modest number. Then Morant and their three-point shooting is going to be enough to win the series, and it it might be. I mean, if if we're looking if we're looking at this series, and it's like, wow, Pool shot thirty-one percent from three, Curry thirty-three, and Clay thirty-five. They're going to lose the series, I think. Yeah, so they they got to make shots.
1: The big make shots, and I think that's the big the big change where where things ease for the Warriors is if they can have a game or two where they just hit fifteen. 16 three-pointers because yeah. the way that the Grizzlies have played in this series they've shown they they can't keep up if the Warriors are going to be able to have a couple of games like that. All right, Stiney, great stuff my man. I'm about to uh head back to the Bay here, so we'll we'll talk to you soon. Have a great show with Guru and uh, we'll we'll do this again after game 3. Looking forward All right. to it.
0: Bye right, buddy. Take care. Right, later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.